Greetings, beloved ones. My name is LaVon Briggs. I am a body and sex positive womanist preacher, speaker, and author. Sensual faith is a sacred space that I carve out for you to uncover your spirituality, recover your sensuality, and discover your sexuality. So if that sounds good to you, and if that feels good to you, you're in the right place. Flowers are always worth more than whatever you pay for them. Buying flowers is not just a way to bring home beauty. It's an expression of confidence that better days are coming. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Greetings, beloved ones. Welcome back to another episode of Sensual Faith Podcast, the podcast all about the art of coming home to your body. I am your host, LaVon Briggs, and here we are journeying to reintegrate our spirituality, our sensuality, and our sexuality. And today we're going to be talking about some things I never thought I'd do. Let the church say, drop it like a thotty, drop it like a thotty. <laughs> Y'all, I know Renaissance has us in shambles. That's that's, that's that's not the word I want to use. Renaissance has uplifted us. Renaissance has called us back home to ourselves. Renaissance is saying, step into your Renaissance, my beloved ones. Okay, prayer. So what I've decided I'm about to do with Renaissance and Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter and these fabulous 16 tracks that she has blessed us with for the summer of 2022 is I'm just going to explore each one in a different podcast episode. Okay, because it's too thick, honey. It's too luscious. Okay, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. We got to really tap in and dig into each song of its own accord. Now, first of all, 16 is my favorite number. Always has been, always will be. It is actually a number that signifies wisdom and healing. And if you add one plus six for my numerologist, the number seven, that's the number of completion, okay? And so it just, it gives what needs to be gave all around. Um, So trust me, I am thinking and twerking and loving and being and also winding up my ways and seeing all of the parallels between Beyonce's experience growing up in the South of the United States and aligning it with my experience growing up in the Northeast as a first-generation Caribbean-American eldest daughter, right? She's, as far as I know, <laughs> she's the eldest daughter on her side. Um, unless Daddy Knowles got some kids I don't know about and let me just Google that real quick because we got to see with what. Okay, yeah. So Beyonce is also a year older than me. Uh, so I'm always, you know, just on her heels when it comes to aging. And I have turned 40 and I feel flirty and fierce and fab and all the other fabulous F words. <laughs> that you can find on PowerThesaurus.com. Um, I have upgraded from thesaurus.com. You know, for book two, we're going to be using PowerThesaurus.com. But anyway, all of the adjectives that you can use to describe one who is feeling confident and purposeful and like that bitch, I'm that girl, I'm that 40-year-old girl, okay, per. And I just love that I'm able to have this conversation about parallels between Beyonce's lived experience and my lived experience because today's guest, Ebony Janice Moore, is not only my sister friend, my homegirl, my sibling bad bitch, right? She is also a womanist scholar who talks a lot about Black pluralism in spirituality and specifically how spiritual systems from the global South of America for Black folks and the African traditional religions that were ancient and indigenous to the continents of Africa, how they are intertwined. And so I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, And before I get into the nitty gritty of that, I do want to tap in and let y'all know that there are some juicy things percolating. Okay, 40 is about to be that decade. I'm just going to decree and declare it right here, right now. It's feeling very churchy up in here. Everything that I am doing to be purposeful and intentional about my life and my journey, everything that I'm leaning into from my core desires to my joy compass, my pleasure principles, Everything is coming through how it feels in my body and my being. And so I have spent so much time healing and doing the work. And I feel like we talk about that so much, like 
oh, you got to, you know, do your shadow work and you got to heal your lineage. And I need to remind y'all that we were not put on this earth to just heal. Like healing is hard. It is gory. (laughs) It is downright painful at times. And so we have to have joy in the midst of that. We have to reclaim pleasure in the words of Adrienne Marie Brown, right? In her book, Pleasure Activism, as a central tenet of our activism. And so something that's been bringing me pleasure has been laying off of the self-helpy, nonfiction, super deep and religious and spiritual books and reading this book that Ebony Janice told me about. It's called Some Things I Never Thought I'd Do, and it's by American author, playwright, poet, Pearl Clegg. Now, I am tardy to the Pearl Clegg party, all right? Let me just say I've seen her name countless times because I'm a Black woman, and I taught at Spelman College, and she's an alum. And if you are a creative Black woman, Pearl Clegg's name is going to come across your screen, be on your timeline, be in your inbox, something, right? She also attended Howard University and Yale University and the University of the West Indies. So the fact that I graduated from Yale, the fact that I am a descendant of folks from the Caribbean, like there are these really gorgeous synchronicities and I'm just super, super jazzed to share Pearl Clegg with y'all. Now, some of y'all might be hearing this episode and be like, girl, you ain't know about Pearl. Pearl Clegg is that girl. (laughs) Okay, she's been winning all kinds of awards, all kinds of residencies that she's had for her creative writing. Anything that was about art and storytelling in the city of Atlanta, Georgia, Pearl Clegg was indeed that girl. So I am excited that I got to be introduced to her with some things I never thought I'd do. And the opening sacred text about buying flowers means so much to me because if you follow me on social media, you know, I post my flowers all the time. I love yellow roses, sunflowers. Um, Any man who's interested in dating me, you must know that bringing me flowers, live flowers, praise the Lord, (laughs) every week is a mandate. Definitely on dates at the very least on dates, but for the man who's my husband, baby daddy every week. Um, And so it just talks about how flowers are a way for us to ritualize beauty as a spiritual practice, right? That we adorn ourselves. Yes. But we can also surround ourselves with beauty. Now, can you go out in nature? Can you go to the park? Can you take a walk by the river, the lake, the stream? Absolutely. But there's something about a fresh bouquet of flowers. And there's something about, you know, I've even seen Jackie Ina do this on Instagram, putting a little bit of sugar to be the plant food into the water and arranging them and placing them just so right um, in your space, whether it's your bedroom or the bathroom. I like to keep mine in the kitchen and in the dining area to just add color and vibrancy. And ooh, if they smell good, you know, every time you walk past them, do you see how I get so activated just talking about the beauty of flowers in my home? That is an inherently sensual practice, which makes it an inherently spiritual practice. And so it has been so enlivening, y'all, to read a novel with everything that's been going on. And because I'm a spiritualist and a healer, and I'm often telling y'all, oh, read Codependent No More, read All About Love. I'll come back to that. Read, you know, The Healing Wisdom of Africa. Like it was really, really nice just to read a novel. Now, let me tell y'all, I was about halfway through this book when I realized it was a novel and not a memoir. (laughs) I think I'm just so accustomed to reading nonfiction that I just assumed this was her life story. And I was like, wait, no, this this is a novel. Hold up. So needless to say, I ate it up, okay? The chapters are short. The characters are just so magnificently described and brought to life. And I felt like while I was reading the book, I could see it like a movie being projected in the front of my mind. It's just... This is officially a Pearl Clegg stand account, okay? <laughs> and I'm so excited that Ebony Janice introduced me to this text and I want to introduce her to y'all. 
But first, I told you I was going to come back to this all about love, okay? Because if you don't know, we have started our all about love book series in Sensual Faith Academy, aka my Patreon. So July was our first session. The replay is available for the Lavish Love tier. So there's time for you to watch it and catch up. Don't feel like, you know, well, I missed the first one. I can't be a part. No, come on over. Go to patreon.com slash LaVon Briggs and sign up for the Lavish Love tier. That is going to give you access to the live book studies and the replays. So join us. It's going to be a fabulous time. The first session was already really, really powerful and moving. Now I will say, you know, talk, speaking of doing the work, this is some deep work. All about love is not a cutesy novel. So make sure (laughs) that you take care of yourself in the ways that you need to do so, so that you can show up fully to the space. But alongside our book study, Some other newness that's happening are some new folks who are part of the community. We've got some new patrons to welcome. So Rachel Wiseman-Haller, I hope I said your last name correctly. Welcome. Laurel, aka LD. Holly, welcome. So glad that you're here. And one of my IG boos, Courtney Wilson. So glad that you are here. Y'all come on over and join Rachel and LD and Courtney and be a part of the Central Faith Academy community. It is a fantastic spiritual hub and we are doing really great co-creation around healing and holistic wellness and decolonizing our faith and amplifying our sensual, spiritual cells. Like it's just giving what needs to be gave in this day and age, okay, period. And so with that being said, here is some of the official bio for Ebony Janice Moore. I'm, this is the last time I'm going to tell this story because I feel like every time I tell this story, she'd be rolling her eyes. But I'm going to just say, Ebony Janice Moore is the gift that I got from my divorce. One of them. There were many things that I got from my divorce, my liberation, my freedom, my confidence of self. I learned a cosmic karmic lesson about being able to rely on myself. But I met her through the man that I divorced. And so they were super close. We met in person and I'm seeing this gorgeous goddess in front of me, these cheekbones, this thickness, this lusciousness. And I was like, y'all never dated And she said, he may have looked at my booty once or twice, but he ain't never tell me he did. And so she started laughing and he looked down like he wanted to laugh, but I was looking at him. So he didn't laugh because he didn't know how to respond (laughs) in that moment because your girl be like, "Uh, excuse me, what, sir? Anywho, long story short, she and I started talking. And obviously this was about 2017. Ebony Janice was at my wedding, (laughs) y'all. She wore this beautiful one-shouldered orange joint. I'm sure I can... Uh, find a photo in the archives for Central Faith Academy patrons. But yeah, we obviously clicked. And over time, I remember just being like, wow, this woman's really powerful. I'm so glad that she's in my orbit um, and that I'm in her orbit. I'm so glad that we're in each other's orbits. And I remember calling her and telling her that me and the guy were separated because we were both going to be seeing each other (laughs) at a conference in New Orleans, interestingly enough. And I was like, listen, this man going to be with me and it's not the man that, you know, I'm married to. It's the, I'm leaving him. We had separated, but we were divorced. But child, I had clearly gone back in the archives and circled the block with somebody. Another podcast episode, praise the Lord. Even after the man I was with and I split up, Ebony Janice and I just got closer and closer. And now she's one of my dearest sisters and co-conspirators and, you know, also a possibility model for me. Anything that I can imagine, it's probably because I saw Ebony Janice do it first. (laughs) Being a full-time womanist content creator, she was doing it, right? Curating the most lavish life possible, I saw her doing it first. And interestingly enough, in our conversation, she talks about wanting to model her life after the life of a Pearl Clegg character. And now that I have read some things I never thought I'd do, I'm like, I get it. Sign me up. And I lied. There's one more thing (laughs) I want to talk about before I give you Ebony Janice's official bio. September is around the corner and it is 
obviously Sensual September. I'm going to be celebrating the one-year anniversary of Sensual Faith Podcast and inviting you to all different kinds of programming that's going to be taking place. So make sure you tune in, sign up for my email list at LavonBriggs.com so you don't miss out on any of the announcements. I'm going to be having my book proposal challenge. I'm going to be doing a Sensual Faith Challenge. I'm going to be doing a special Sensual Faith Sunday in New Orleans in person as safely as possible, child, on September 11th. And so if you are in or around the New Orleans area, please, please, please make plans to come. Um, want to make sure you vex, want to make sure you got your mask, want to make sure you prayed up, that you got your spiritual protection, energetic forces going, right? But coming with a joyful, expectant heart. Um, so yeah, I'm really jazzed about that and all the other things that are coming down the pike. And so hopefully I'll see you there. And if I don't see you in person, then I'll see you online for all the beautiful, juicy, delicious, lavish things that are coming for sensual September. Ebony Janice Moore is a womanist scholar, author, and activist doing community organizing work most specifically around Black women's body ownership as a justice issue, Black women's access to ease, joy, and play, and hip-hop as a tool for socio-political and spiritual religious movement making. She has created curriculum for leadership development for teenagers in Kenya, South Africa, and Decatur, where is greater Georgia. Ebony Janice has presented papers at Princeton, Columbia, the University of Chicago, the Institute of Buddhist Studies, the Graduate Theological Union, University of Southern California, and UC Berkeley. Her research interests include issues pertaining to Blackness, womanness, and spirituality. Most specifically, Black women's use of spirits, conjure, and or the supernatural as a tool to impact social justice and the pluralism that means the vibrancy, the diversity of Black Christianity and the interconnectedness of the Southern Black Christian experience with indigenous African religions and African spirituality. She's a hip hop scholar and hosts a podcast focused on hip hop and womanism called Rap Theology. Y'all gotta do a search on Instagram for hashtag Preach Ebb. She was doing this sermonic series and using hip hop lyrics and sometimes spitting them herself, mind you, let's be clear. (laughs) She actually tells a really funny story on episode 93 of a little juju podcast where she (laughs) raps this line. His name is Jesus, Jesus Christ. If you're nasty, I'm screaming. Oh, Lord. Anywho, Ebony Janice recently performed an original creative piece about the rebellion at Ebo Landing at the Public Theater in New York City. I was there. It was absolutely spellbinding. And is currently working on an expansion of that play focused on the women that often get lost in the story. We love to see it. Ebony Janice has a BA in cultural anthropology and political science per and a master of arts in social change with a concentration in spiritual leadership, womanist theology and racial justice. She is the founder of Black Girl Mixtape, a multi-platform safe think space centering the intellectual authority of Black women in the form of a lecture series, a podcast, and an online learning institute led by Black women scholars. I've actually had the pleasure of supporting Ebony Janice at a Black Girl Mixtape function, and she also had me on as a guest speaker talking about Church 2 stuff back when she was doing her IG Lives. Listen, It's very much giving her mission statement, scholarship, social justice, sister empowerment, spirituality, and self-care. Y'all, I am so delighted, excited, ready for y'all to hear this conversation. Sink in, tap in, secure your edges, and tune into this conversation with me and Ebony Janice Moore. Greetings, beloved ones, and welcome back to another episode of Central Faith Podcast, the podcast all about the art of coming home to your body through the reintegration of your spirituality, sensuality, and sexuality. I am your host, LaVon Briggs, and today I have a very special guest in the house sipping her water, staying hydrated because the melanin is popping. Ebony, Janice, like peace more. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Hi, welcome me to the show. How are you feeling today, beloved? I just woke up from a 27-minute nap and, you know, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. God is good. nature. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I got that from the students in Kenya, the school that I uh, support in Kenya, in Yahoo, Kenya. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. That's his nature. Wow. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I 
love East African mannerisms. When I was in Uganda, right? Let's say we were going to meet our colleagues from Uganda at 9 a.m. They would show up at 10.30 a.m. talking about, we have reached. (laughs) (laughs) We reached a while ago, though, guys. So what's happening? The funny thing about that, too, though, is that when I was in West Africa, Mm -hmm. when I was in Ghana, you know, the time zone there is GMT. And they was like, the GMT stands for Ghana Man Time. I'm screaming. Because, because I now understand where Black Americans get CP time Come from. on. We are not actually even as bad as what's happening in West Africa because in West Africa, time is a suggestion. Okay, if so we, New Orleans. You lived in New Orleans too. Yes. Is New Orleans as bad as Ghana? Close. It's but co- not yeah. as bad. Okay. No, baby. I was Ghana to is worse than oh, New Ghana Orleans? is awful. I was supposed to meet this artist. I'm bringing this man, I want to say thousands of dollars (laughs) to buy art from him. Plural Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars to buy art from him. We're supposed to meet for me to get the art and for him to give me the certificate of authenticity. Oh God. Does he show up two and a half hours late? I end up having to have my driver take me to the beach just to go sit (laughs) at the beach for a while because where are you, my love? Okay, driver. Excuse you me, better, pardon me. Excuse me, that, pardon me. Listen, it, it don't cost the same <laughs> here as it did there. So it sounds like a flex, but it's not. It I is mean, a it flex. Is. It is a flex, but it's not as hard. Okay. It ain't a flex. It's just a flex. You know? A flex. I love that. Yeah. What What's one of the golden nuggets you brought back from Ghana? Get out of here. <laughs> By here, I mean the U.S. <laughs> okay, I think we knew that from the time we knew London Bridge wasn't a bridge. We were oh, like, baby. It ain't, <laughs> it's it not giving it. what it's supposed to have gave. When I went to London, Big Ben was under construction. How? It was still under construction when I went two years later. <laughs> Sweetie, why? So clearly it's not giving in Europe and it's not giving in the United States. It's not giving in the West. Yeah, one nugget that I brought back for myself from Ghana really was that home is in my body. Mm-hmm. Because I have been in pursuit of home, honestly. Yeah. I've been since I left New Orleans um on a journey, you know. Right. Like, uh, you know, personally, I won't tell all my business on your little podcast, but I'm screaming. <laughs> I won't tell all my little business on your podcast, but from Hurricane Ida mm-hmm. to Two weeks ago. That ain't a metaphor for something. Literally two weeks ago. Right. Um, I have lived in several different places. And yeah. that's what, about eight, nine months. And so it, I have this story in my mind that I was going to go to West Africa and I was going to immediately be like, I have arrived. And I've been to several places on the continent. So it wasn't mm-hmm. that kind of like Black American, you know, naivety. It really was like, there is something in West Africa for me. Right. And there really was, but also my experience really seated me in such a way that I realized it's really, it's really my body. It's really yep. like I have to create home wherever it is yes. that I go. And so I have been considering like, what things do I need to mm-hmm. feel home? Like what mm-hmm. is home for me and how do I take that wherever I go? So if I'm going to be in North Carolina, what does it look like for me in that space to be home? If I'm going to be right. in Accra, you know, in Ghana, what do I need there for it to be home? If I'm going to be in Bamako, Mali. Okay. Ashe and amen. What do and I it is so for that to be home. <laughs> how, how do you practice being at home in your body? Mm-hmm. That okay. was it right there. So listen, that that absolutely deep, deep breathing. I've been figuring out and finding out and exploring what are my what are the medicines that I need to support mm. me on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so medicines like music, you know, yes. but like even getting getting being even more intentional about like what music, what is the genre, yeah. what is the and how do I want to listen to it? Because mm-hmm. I have discovered that listening, I can be listening to Miles Davis on like the exact same out the exact same record. I could be listening mm-hmm. to it on my cell phone mm-hmm. through title 
or Mm -hmm. listening to it on the record player. And it's a drastically different experience. Mm -hmm. So like, how do, how do I want to experience this frequency? What do, what colors do I want to be wearing? What colors are, you know, even potentially taboo for me to be wearing, right? Like paying so much attention to how I feel in my body when I'm wearing certain colors or when I'm wearing certain fabrics or when I'm wearing certain outfits and really making everything a ritual. When I was younger, I'm saying this and I'm done with this sermon because you know I will ramble. But when Mm -hmm. I was younger, I remember thinking about religion and people used to be like, oh, it just don't take all that. It don't take all that. Mm. In my in my current spiritual practice, I genuinely feel like it absolutely does take all that. Like yes. to to make every single consideration for right. from from what I'm drinking out of to, you know, what what is hanging on the walls in my office to how I, you know, give my little fingernails done, whatever, right. whatever. like every single thing it, it, it's very intentional and it absolutely matters. And that is helping me to really stay seated in myself because I'm feeling like I'm getting, Oh, I know this about myself. I need that. And yeah. so I'm un un uh, what's the word? I, I don't negotiate in, yeah. anymore about certain yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Like, Oh, I absolutely need that. And that's what it is. And that's even down to, even down to the fact that like, if you call me before a certain time, I either will not answer, or I'll tell you that I need to call you back because I haven't been seated yet. And I, and this is non-negotiable for me. I need to be able to sit down in my body before we can have this conversation. I love that. And I love that you brought up this phrase about it don't take all that. The first time I heard that was when I printed out my acceptance letter to Yale Divinity School and took it to my Pentecostal pastor at the time. And so, of course, as Pentecostal pastors are wont to do, they read it in front of the entire congregation because it was a praise report. Mm-hmm. And after that, people were saying, it don't take all that. You don't got to go to Yale Divinity School to know God. And I was like, I know God. And that's why I'm going to Yale Divinity School because I have questions because the God that y'all are presenting to me... I'm like, mm, I feel like there's something else happening there. So for Black women and femmes who may have heard that they're too much, they're doing too much, what would you say to them? Do the most. Do even Period. More. You're probably doing minimum. To the, to the, you probably think that you're doing a lot or someone has convinced you that you're doing a lot because mm-hmm. in a... In the society that we live in, humbling black women is just the go to. It's just the jam. Like people see black women shining and automatically start trying to nitpick A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Mm. And so so even when I think I'm doing too much, I realize I'm not doing enough. Like they're like my friends. Right. You're my friend in real life. My friends will find out about really dope stuff that's happening in my life. I got to tell you something. We get off this podcast. (laughs) But I find out about really, really dope stuff that's happening in my life. No, I'll stay here. Somebody gave me an acre of land in Kenya. Wow. I own property in, in Africa. Kenya. I Congratulations. Own in Africa, right? <gasps> so like, it's like, okay, so we'll just cut up Immaculate. about that Immaculate. Wow. So, so an acre. Wow. Right. I, I hear an you talking. An acre. Honey, not a plot. An acre. One acre. So the the thing about that, though, is like people will find out about like my friends, my people will find out about really, really dope stuff happening in my life. And it'll be like, oh, that happened a couple of weeks ago. Like, uh, why didn't you say anything? Like, what is yeah. happening? And meanwhile, I'm sitting over here like, I don't want to boast. <laughs> I don't want to brag. You know, thinking that I've, I've celebrated it and I haven't fully celebrated it in a way mm-hmm. that if I when I find out dope stuff about you, I want us to be tossing confetti. I want us to be popping bottles. I want us to be planning trips. I want us Bitch. to be, you know, shimmying our shoulders, all the things. So if you think that you are doing too much, rev it up times 10. And, and you probably just get into the median at that right. point. That part, ma'am, you are the same person who interrupted a proverbial experience live talking about don't end the live. <laughs> Give me 10 minutes. I'm like, what is she talking about? Okay. Didn't knew you were in a car. Didn't know you were yeah, in a car yeah. on the way to my house. Uh-huh. And it pops up with cards and gifts and my favorite champagne. Confetti. Because <laughs> we love to celebrate the people, but we don't know how to celebrate ourselves. So. What is that about, beloved? Whew. I, okay. So I think for a lot of us, you've brought up the fact that we we both actually grew up in a charismatic Christian experience. And I think particularly like a Southern Black interpretation. Ooh, the 
we had just started pouring down raining. Mm, um, hallelujah. Hi, hallelujah. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. We receive. I'm screaming. Ask for rain in the time of rain. Ask I'm for favor screaming. while favor is falling. Hi. You're hilarious. We're going to talk about books in a second, but I'm doing my edits for the copy edited manuscript right now. And I put Eba Shondo in my manuscript. And the copy editor was like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> I was like, it, it ain't for you. <laughs> you don't got the gift. Who is for? No, who is exactly. for? And will interpret, huh? Yeah, yeah, She ain't got the gift of interpretation. God bless them. Um, so, you know, short attention span. Tell me what I was talking about. Um, so you were, oh, shit. What the? <laughs> <laughs> oh, growing up in a charismatic Christian yes, experience. Yes. Particularly because those of us who grew up in the United States of America in a charismatic Christian experience, many of us grew up in a Southern Black Christian experience. For and sure. so, so, Understand that the Southern Black Christian experience is very influenced and impacted by slavery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so much of the preachment, there's a heavy emphasis on the preachment um, in verses that would cause Black people in particular to be lowly, to be humble, to yep. be meek, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. so, and so when you think about the series of sermons, because it's ongoing, nobody, right. no matter what church you grew up in, your pastor wasn't preaching that whole Bible. You mm-hmm. got a series of sermons ongoing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a different sermon, it's pretty much from the same text. We're yep. preaching the woman with the issue of blood a particular way. We're preaching... Yep you know, Jesus resurrection, a particular way. We're preaching, you know, the, the death of Christ, a particular way. And so, so to, to know that humility, um, respect, uh, being, uh, don't, don't be too big. uh, Mm. And, and so, and even our worship songs is I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing. Right. Like, and so, so much of our indoctrination as a result of the church that we grew up in, but understand too, though, Southern black Christianity, even if you were not raised in a Southern black church, but you are a black person, Mm -hmm. the culture of blackness is largely impacted by this church. Therefore, so much of the teaching and the socialization of young black people in general, but partic- especially on a whole other level, black women and femmes yep. is be quiet, mm-hmm. you know, like what does respect look like? Go sit down somewhere. You're being fast. Don't be yep. bouncing around here. Don't let your head get too big. Um, you ain't too cute to be, you know, different things that right. we've heard that is a part of our socialization. And so we get, we be, we get grown women. And then all of a sudden we, we have the revelation or on the verge of a revelation of mm-hmm. like, I was, I want to be worthy, right? <laughs> Maybe I always was. And, I, mm. and there's been no space for me to really, you know, trouble or ask questions about like, why y'all don't want me to be worthy so bad? What this right. is about? So I, yeah, I, I think that's a good deal of what it is. And many of us were conditioned to shrink ourselves as a survival mechanism. And Ooh, yes, as we are co-creating a world where Black women and femmes are free and safe and soft, which I want to talk to you about, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's time now for us to expand and take up space, <laughs> as much space as possible. Absolutely. And then more. Mm-hmm. Take up, like roll around. Let mm-hmm. people, we, one of the ways that I started challenging myself before I really got language of take up spaces, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is that from Tony, uh, I am Tony um, Jones, yeah, affirmation Tony Jones. musician, um, take up space. Sis. Yeah. I love that. But, you know, before I got language like that, things that I used to do to challenge myself to take up space is I would think about the ways that I would, I was being aggressed against on a daily basis, just in certain spaces. So mm-hmm. particularly at this time, I was living in Berkeley, California, which has been one of the most violent white experiences that I've ever had in Mercy. my life because there is nothing worse on the planet than liberal white people who think that they are doing something. I call it Miss Millie allyship. That ain't what this podcast is about. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is it was violent. Yeah. And so, so when I'm walking down the street, in the United States of America, there's an unspoken rule that you walk on the right side of the sidewalk, right? We all mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. I'm walking down the street. If a group of people are coming towards me, but I'm on the right side, it is your responsibility to get over onto the left side mm-hmm. or for you to step over into the the uh, single the, file, the, something. whatever you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. White women in Berkeley, California had no capacity to imagine that they needed to get where the hell out of my way. (laughs) 
So I remember this one particular time I saw these girls coming towards me and I saw it in this girl's eye that she wasn't going to move. And I decided right then and there, we was about to have a what head on collision period. So when we bump into each other, she's like, and I said, did you want me to get in the bush? And her friends started laughing and she's like, well, and I was like, did you? Because you could be in the bush. That's an mm, option. It sure so, is. So of course she walked away feeling like I victimized her, you know, whatever, whatever mm. happened to her. But that was really the beginning of like, a, oh, challenge is on now. I right. will literally never move. And so now right. that's just very minimum, you know, tiny things that I do that build up over time, like in helping me to think like, oh, here's another place where I can take up space. Here's another place where I can take up some space. And then, and then in my, in my relationships, you know, taking up space is really like creating boundaries for myself, Mm -hmm. like boundaries. Very often we talk about boundaries. We think like a limitation, but the reality is a boundary could be wherever I set it. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to, my boundary isn't, you can come this far and no more. My boundary could be this whole house or my boundary could be this whole street or my boundary could be this whole topic is is on the record or, or off, you know, off right. limits, whatever. Right. And so creating boundaries, giving myself more space to be like, oh, this is all the space I need in order to be right. able to be well and to thrive, it, thrive here in this relationship. So I need all this space, not like, you know, a falling back. And I think that we need to trouble a little bit more how we understand boundaries in that regard. So my therapist, Dr. Brianna Boy, shout out to Dr. B, taught me that boundaries are a way for me to keep people I care about in my life. Essentially, I'm saying I want you in my life, but this is how. So if you love me and you care about me, then you'll be here because I love you and I care about you and I want you to be here. But it has Mm -hmm. to look like this. Mm -hmm. So boundaries are actually a good sign. It shows that I still want you in my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want you in my life. And also boundaries give you permission to figure out what your boundaries are then. Mm -hmm. What do you need in order to be in this relationship? Because very often it's like, okay, I've created this boundary. It's very real for me. This is what I need. And you're on the other side of that boundary feeling like, well, I want to do this, or this is Mm -hmm. what I need. And so now here's the chance for you to really interrogate well, is this relationship going to work for mm-hmm. you no matter what the relationship is, whether this is a sister, brother, cousin, uncle, auntie, whoever, mm-hmm. if, if, if the only way for you to remain in a right relationship with me is for you to step over this boundary, then what you're saying is actually this relationship model will not serve you. And right. that that's not a bad thing for me. You know, it's not saying anything bad about me or bad about you. You're just having the revelation that you need this. Mm-hmm. This relationship is not, you won't thrive here then. Right. Because it won't be in right relationship if you, you overstep my boundary. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. need to find something else, you know. So I joined the auntie club in the fall mm-hmm. and you have been a marvelous auntie to watch on <laughs> social media. See the cheese, the way that you were just so gleeful about your nephews. Um, but your role as daughter, as sister, as auntie, how have you been creating new generational patterns, you know, with boundaries and ease and flow and all of that? My nephews are the reason that I went back to therapy seriously, because I, after grad school, was in the same place with them, everybody for the first time in my adult, ever, ever, mm-hmm. I won't say my adult life, ever. We had never all been in the same place mm-hmm. um, since I was like 12 when my older sister went away to college. Mm-hmm. So being seeing my nephews being raised very similar to the way that I was raised was very triggering for me. Because there, are, I had a great childhood, and also there are a lot of awful things that happened in my childhood. Like mm. stuff was just wrong, you know. Not just my parents, right? Sometimes my mom would be like, "Well, my mama," and I'd be like, "And y'all know how I feel about my, about my grandmother, Emma Jane Baxley." Like Ashe. if you if you know anything about Ebony Janice Moore, you know something about Emma Jane Baxley. And so, but sometimes my mom would be like, "My mama," would, and I'd be like, "You know, you know, grandma was wrong too. That wasn't mm. right, you know." And so the the continuation of these cycles inside, you know, like here's a whole nother generation. So like me Mm -hmm. and my sisters grew up together. And when we were children, we got punished very similarly or chastised very similarly. And so to become an adult and to have the revelation, like, I didn't like that. That didn't feel good to me. That impacted my self-esteem. I didn't Mm -hmm. like, you know, there are things that I wish we would have done differently or had conversations about to see my sisters kind of leaning into some of those same uh, patterns was wild to me because yeah. I, I don't have children out of my body, but both of my sisters do. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, there, I, I'm very clear about the boundary of like, I'm an auntie 
there is a there is a responsibility that I had to this community. And also there is also only so much that I can say and do in this situation. Yeah. So I need to be able to create boundaries for myself, even about how I'm going to engage. I need to go back to therapy because this is triggering AF for me. Mm-hmm. And I need to figure out what that's going to look like for me. And one of the most profound things that I think has come out of my therapy is each of my nephews, my, uh, that can, you know, really articulate it in this way. So the oldest three have at some point or another said something to me about, um, they might see a conflict happening and they'll be like, afterwards, just me and them by ourselves. Auntie Eb, I don't even know how you did that because I couldn't have handled that that way. Like that would have, you know, like, or, or a situation where something was happening and I was, I was the only one that wasn't around. And one of my nephews was like, if Auntie if Auntie Eb was here, this wouldn't have been happening. Like just, just knowing and so I, it's, it's a struggle because I love them so much. And there are so many things that I do wish that I could step in and be like, I don't want this happening around them. And simultaneously, I know that they get to see a model of a healthy, um, not healthy, on, on a journey towards being healthier, right? On a journey towards being healthier. And so that's a part of their lexicon now, right? That's something they can reach for. Like they don't have to just think this is just what life looks like. And this is just what I have to duplicate. They have the opportunity to see somebody on this, on this pilgrim journey. Huh? I'm screaming. And, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and so, yeah, that, that has been transformational for me. And it's, it's profound. I think just watching them and, and their feed, the feedback that I see in their behavior from time and mm-hmm. in their actual verbal feedback. I love that because it shows that you're planting seeds in the babies that are coming up. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's also a reflection of the deep work and introspection you've done with other people's work as well, not just therapy, but also Black women writers, theologians, mm-hmm. ethicists, all of that. I mean, you got all these degrees, anthropology, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Bad bitchness, you know what I'm saying? Um, but one person in particular that I've heard you talk about is Pearl Clay. All the time. All the time. And her book, Some Things I Never Thought I'd Do, that's a text that you come back to time and time again. What is it about that text that draws you in? So I I actually have a book coming out next year, July 11th, 2023. It's called Period. All the Black Girls Are Activists. Excuse me, pardon me. Period. Um, Row House, House Publishing. Publishing. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, gang, gang. Gang, gang. So I was going to throw up gang signs, but I got to figure out what the Row House gang signs are I'm first. Screaming. I'll let you know. Okay, cool. Um, something super corny, probably like a sign, sign language RW. Anyways, <laughs> I'm very embarrassed about that, but here we are. Um. I have my book coming out next year and there is a chapter in the book where I, where I flesh this out even more. So absolutely be on the lookout for this book, but Pearl Clegg introduced me to black women characters that I have literally modeled my life after since I was 18 years old. I was 18 years old. The first time I read this book, some things I never thought I'd do. And there's a lot in the book that I do love. There's a lot about the storyline that I do love. There's a lot about these characters that I do love. But the main thing that I love is I I saw black this black woman, the heroine of the story, with a with a job that paid her large amounts of money for just her intellect. That was it. She got mm. like these contract roles. She got hella money, and then mm-hmm. she went on about her business. Mm-hmm. And so. So I I never knew that. I didn't have a concept of like, you don't have to hustle, grind, do a trillion things to make this kind of money. That there are Black women who are out here in the world who are being celebrated for their authority. I didn't even have all this language at the time, but that's mm-hmm. how much it impacted me. And so since I was 18 years old, I've been saying, wow. I want to live a, a pro-clad character life. That wow. is the kind of life that I want to live where somebody will give me large amounts of money for me to show up and like just consult three times and then I get to go home or just right. put this project together and then I get to go home. Wow. And so I, 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 often bring up Pearl Clegg because I think about how much she's been thinking about um, there's in, in the book right before that, uh, what looks like crazy on an ordinary day, there is um, 
a list that they, these, the main characters, the main characters come up with this 10 things every free woman should know. Mm. So it's that kind of language that ProCleg has been, you know, mm-hmm. developing and considering and thinking about what does community for black people look like? You know, mm-hmm. we're a place where the men will work and act like they got some sense and the women will be able to be safe. The mm-hmm. women and children will be able to be safe. Like that's quotes from the book and, Mercy. um, or the, the language of my voicemail since I was 18 years old, uh, uh, please leave a detailed message and then don't forget to do something for freedom today. Where one of the main characters, Miss Abby, in some things I never thought I'd do, asked that in her, you know, she says that in her voicemail message. And I remember hearing that and being like, yeah, the consideration of like every single day mm-hmm. doing something for freedom. So the kind of free woman girl possibilities created in the world of the pro Clegg mind or mm. really the minds of our elders, but particularly the pro Clegg mind is just so fantastic to me. And it's been transformative for my life because I live a pro Clegg character life now. Period. Come on, absolutely. master manifester. I absolutely live a pro Clegg character life. And that's what it's all about. And that's why it's so important to read the text of Black women in fact, mm-hmm. This is scripture. There was no verse in the Bible that told right, right, you right. go contract and get five mm-hmm. figures per a session and go play the viola. Is that what you play? The viola, yeah. Viola. Viola right? is my aunt. <laughs> viola Davis. No, Viola McKinney. <laughs> viola. <laughs> That is because y'all are Southern, but you're from Ohio. Yeah. But your people are from? Alabama, Mississippi. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's very Southern, Viola Bell. Listen, first generation Caribbean, I was getting all kinds of Carltons and Winstons and <laughs> Shirley. That's Shirley, <laughs> yes, Lori, yes. First first generation Caribbean, that's, that sounds like uh, just West Africa in general, though, because people's yeah. names like... Um, in in West Africa, the women's names are either like Shirley or um, Abigail or um, Blessing. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> my driver, my driver in Ghana, his first name was Lord. Wow. He told me the story about why his dad named him Lord. His dad named him Lord because he came into a lot of money the day that he was born. <laughs> Praise <laughs> the Lord. Lord Joe Atwee. <laughs> this is a true story. His name Does is he Joe. go by Joe? He goes by Joe. Okay, because I'm. Like... <laughs> Lord, did Lord. you do? Did you do your traditions, Lord? Like I can't even. <laughs> he goes by Joe, but yeah, look, oh, he, he got a lot of money the day he was born. He said, "Praise the Lord," so he named his son Lord. I'm screaming, beloved ones. <laughs> It has been an honor and a privilege to host Ebony Janice Moore. Y'all know this is an Ebony Janice Moore stand account. Tell the people how to keep in touch with you. Allegedly, you can find me at ebonyjanice.com or on the socials at Ebony Janice. Janice looks like Janice, but it sounds like peace, but it's spelled J-A-N-I-C-E. So E-B-O-N-Y-J-A-N-I-C-E. That's where you can find me pretty much everywhere. And I say allegedly because what is social media? Like, yes. Listen, let me say this. I know we, I know we leave in pastor, <laughs> but I just need to say this one more thing. I love social media. If mm-hmm. it wasn't for social media, the communities that I have built both online and offline, you know, would be non-existent. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very grateful for it. And I'm not one of those people that's about to be like, let's leave it forever. Right. But more and more, I've been thinking about the doom scroll. Yeah. Very real. And just thinking... What is the life that we get to create outside of this experience? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember a couple months ago, as a matter of fact, when you deleted everybody and decided to add back, like mm-hmm. what really benefits me. And I think about how I'll be having a great day and open up Twitter or something like that. Mm-hmm. All these thoughts, you know, these heavy, low vibration mm-hmm. thoughts. If a man don't, if a da da da, it's so, <laughs> so aggressive and I get mm-hmm. it. And also, do you, do you not have a journal, my love? Hello. Do you not have a journal? Like, like <laughs> invest in you a journal. Invest. You can go to the dollar tree and get you a <laughs> notepad for $1, $1. You could get you a pack What's of pens, a pack of pens for $1. Throw you a little tax on there and walk away and begin. Mm-hmm. Don't say everything on the world wide web, my babies. I know. My babies. And now the algorithm is doing this weird thing where they show you content for people you don't even follow. I'm, I'm like, not I, following them. I'm not interested. 
I'm not interested. And it's really not even no shade to them, but I just, just because I liked one picture of a couch don't mean I need couches in my thread every day. I don't need that. I got a nice little couch over there. As you taught me, I do not prefer. (laughs) I do not prefer. So yes, I'm just interrogating that. I, I, I want that for all of us. So I want us to all to like really take a step back. And like, take a deep breath and really think mm-hmm. about what is it that I'm consuming and how is this impacting home? That is my yeah. body, you know, on a daily basis. Bring it full circle, preacher. That's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to do one thing, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach, I'm going to reach. Eva Shata. I love you so much. Thank you. For being I love here. you too. Thank you for having me. You are so worthy, beloved. Y'all, thank y'all for tuning in. Make sure you follow Ebony Janice more on all the things and stay up on what's happening with the book. Follow Row House Publishing, Gang Gang, and do all the things that you can to support that. Um, I want to thank y'all for tuning in. As always, go in peace, go in power, go in pleasure. Be well, beloved ones. And if it's not well, it's not the end. And it ain't the end, period. And remember, faith should feel good. (laughs) I told y'all to prepare your edges, to prepare your hearts, your minds, your souls, your loins. Okay, I did not say all that (laughs) when I was bringing in the interview. But now that you're on the other side of it, I think you know why I love and admire this woman so much and why true blue is tight, light blue. Okay. We are living. Hey, sisters. Ooh, and Beyonce's kind of world. I'm glad I've got my girls, particularly Ebony Janice Moore. So make sure that you tune in and tap in, get into your Pearl Clegg bag, tap in with Regina Burns and Blue Hamilton and also (laughs) other works by Pearl Clegg that you really feel drawn to. I think if you set an intention before you read any of her books, it will just really open it up for you and allow you to visualize all the things that are possible, right? There are some things that you're thinking about and marinating with and sitting with and manifesting and praying about that could actually, factually not even be the grandest, most lavish version of that thing, right? And so anything that you can ingest to really nurture your sense of expansion and ascension and what's possible, like the Bible says, with God, nothing is impossible. (laughs) So that means everything is possible. So dream biggest, my nigga, dream biggest. All right, make sure that y'all tune in and tap in with Ebony Janice. Follow her at Ebony Janice. That's Janice like peace (laughs) on every platform. Support the incredible work that she's doing in the world. Make sure that you prepare your hearts for her book next summer coming out. All the Black girls are activists and... You know, hopefully soon when outside calms down a little bit, (laughs) you can see us back together again, tapping in for shenanigans and all kinds of fun, bad bitch things. Wagwan, be sure to head over to Sensual Faith Academy. You can find it at patreon.com slash LaVon Griggs so that you can get all of the supplemental materials that go along with this episode, all of the links, the happenings, the background stories, the photo that I'm going to find from my wedding of me and Ebony Janice. I wonder if we took a picture together, child. I'm gonna have to look and see. I don't remember. But anywho, that is our show for today. Come back in a couple weeks for our next episode. Remember, beloved ones, your spirituality, your sensuality, and your sexuality, they go together, okay? They like each other. They want to know more about each other. And so even if there are some things that you've done that you never thought you'd do, honey, baby, there's still more life to live. So let's get into it, shall we? Go in peace, go in power, go in pleasure. Be well, beloved ones. And if it's not well, it's not the end. And remember, faith should feel good. Peace, y'all.